Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Excluse-U. Dutch police dismantled the Exclue encrypted communications platform after snooping on criminals. Next up, let me speak to your hypervisor. Hackers exploit a two-year-old VMware vulnerability to launch a large-scale ransomware campaign. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 148, recorded on February 13th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Ransomware, ransom everywhere, LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor, Bare Metal Jacket, Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, our special guest today, Ian, bad week for Mylar, Campbell. Well, happy uh, day before Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day Eve, if you will. Yeah, happy Monday. <laughs> Surely we can count on all malicious actors out there to just take a day off tomorrow for the Valentine's Naturally. Day, right? It's a quiet day. I want to see ransomware messages delivered in conversation hearts. I wonder what that would look Ooh. like. Aw. <laughs> Send some roses along with the <laughs> little conversation hearts. <laughs> it delivers quite the message, you know? But at least it's memorable. That's part of the business, you know? For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Got to gotta, um, think about differentiation these days if you're in, in the business of RAS, yeah. if you will, ransomware as a service. Um, but anywho, how, how are you two doing? Ian, it's really great to have you on the podcast. It's been a really long time since I've hosted, if I've ever hosted, maybe, maybe just like once or twice. I know Callie's usually been the host when you've been on, so this is great. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back. And uh, I, I think... You hosted the first one I was on, and maybe that that gave you the impetus to never host one uh, with me again. That's not the case. But apparently that's fair. I, um, I, I just didn't want to disappoint you, Ian. I didn't want to let you down. I was like, I got to show up with my A game if Ian's going to be there. You know what I'm saying? And, and Callie shows up with her A game, so she, she didn't have to worry about that so much. She just wakes up like that, ready to go, ready to run. It... it, it it's like the kids who screwed up the grade curve in class. Callie just outshines us all. That is correct. Can confirm that that is the case. No doubt. I am here to be a candidate. <laughs> 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 oh, Tay, you stop it. All right. Before Taylor <laughs> is um, says anything less than 100% kind about himself again, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Dutch police and their announcement for our first article, which is, Exclusive. you um and the the dutch police here announced this past friday that they dismantled the exclude encrypted communications platform after hacking into the service to monitor the activities of criminal organizations um and we're kicking off this episode with you know some some good news and for those who don't know and maybe we could start with what exactly the exclude platform is 
So at its core, Xclues a European encrypted messaging app with some other bells and whistles. Um, it claimed an ability to remote wipe devices along with uh, uh, exchanging the usual range of messages, text, notes, voice memos, videos. Um, it cost over 100 euros a month, which is kind of eye-watering to regular consumers. And to me, it is at least implicitly indicative of the kind of customers Exclu oriented itself towards. Is this a reference to exclusive exclue is that is that what's or are they exclue players of of course the board game which of those do you think best determines the users i, I need to know well i don't see kernel mustard and i don't see a candlestick and i don't see a, a kitchen hallway or library so i'm gonna <laughs> guess it's exclusive it's french it's the past participle for exclusive exclue um <laughs> but yeah, this article mentions that some exclude users were those in sensitive fields like lawyers, doctors, and notaries. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't all for uh, nefarious purposes. Yeah, there's definitely some indication that uh, other users engaged with it for legitimate privacy and sensitivity reasons. I'm guessing that's where a chunk of the Dutch user base comes from, which was about a third of their 3,000 user base. Uh, I'm a little surprised folks on the straight and narrow would use it, but there might be some intricacies around privacy and having the servers in the Netherlands that made it more attractive in context. And, uh, you know, especially compared to larger services that may have U.S.-based complications. Huh. And I guess rolling back to rather than talking about the user base, um, the threat actors behind this recent ransomware fund, what efforts were made to bring these cyber criminals to justice? Who was involved and how long did the operation take? Uh, it looks like a series of overlapping investigations by Euro- uh, European law enforcement eventually came together over the course of about three years. Um, those included a Dutch investigation on the service and its owners and uh, uh, employees or those managing it, and a German investigation on uh, users of the service. But it looks wider than just that because authorities from Belgium, Italy, Sweden, and France were also involved. Um, Dutch law enforcement in particular are incredibly sophisticated and, frankly, fun to watch when it comes to cybercrime investigations. And it looks like they were able to fully compromise the exclusive uh, service amidst the takedown. So they now have about five months of backlogged messaging data to keep searching through. Uh, alongside the raids aimed at Exclu itself, they've also made dozens of other arrests and dismantled at least three active drug labs. I really want to see a like ESPN2 version of these these um, government entities take on, like law enforcement in particular, take on <laughs> like ransomware gangs or cyber criminals. It's like, who can do it faster? And have like the Dutch flag up there. Like, do you think we're far away from that world? I love it. It's uh, uh, cybercrime law enforcement esports. Uh, the teams will have their own sponsors. I love it. The NASCAR of security. <laughs>
You don't have to have the logos painted on. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um. <laughs> Maybe we get the gear on there. Oh, pun intended. Um, so it sounds like this isn't the first instance of a crypto phone platform takedown. Is that is that right, Ian? That's correct. It's become a favorite pastime of law enforcement. Uh, EncroChat, which was a lot bigger and more robust, had uh, something like 60,000 users, got taken down last July in what looks like a similar operation. And then there's my personal favorite, Anom, which was a law enforcement operation from the start, a joint operation between US FBI and Australian federal police to create a fake end-to-end encrypted platform from scratch so they could monitor it from the beginning. Even the people working for Anom didn't know that, which makes it a fascinating story. And they shipped out phones, right? They, they were like a hardware vendor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, both Anom and EncroChat were uh, also hardware vendors, but Anom in particular, uh, just the scope of that operation is going to be legendary for years, I think. Yeah, a lot of they're really committed to the bit. The EESPN Hall of Fame, for sure, no doubt. Da-na-na, da-na-na. They'd have that in the background too, maybe. I don't know. The championship trophy is just modeled after that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, and Ian. Really, my last question for you today is: What do you think will happen next with this investigation? Well, I expect the raids will continue while European police continue to go through the five months of messages that they have. Um, the intelligence seized from uh, those messages, along with cooperating defendants from the arrests, will probably lead to more raids not directly connected with Exclu. And bad guys sweating it out uh, until they get a knock on their door often leads them to make more mistakes, too. So whenever you seize a platform like this, if you work the investigation right, it can just be a huge watershed event with follow-on effects for years. Um, all that I can be sure of is that I'm going to need more popcorn. <laughs> I think that should be included in our rating system, the popcorn. You know, it's kind of the goodie. Oh, absolutely. The situation, for sure. The accountability goodie, if you will. The warm cookie, the warm popcorn of delicious, vicious retribution. Which, justice, they call it. Yeah, that's another. Justice. That's a shorter way to describe it. Get out of here. It's just justice. Is that the alternative to butter? <laughs> Instead of butter on our popcorn, we have justice. Side of, would like some justice, justice on this popcorn, please? Extra warm. It's zero Extra calories. Warm. Very flavorful. Delicious. Very flavorful. Stays with you all day. Um... <laughs> But speaking of the, the rating systems, let's do our hoodie rating score, which if, if you're tuning in for the first time is from zero to 10. 10 is very bad. Zero is, is maybe more like popcorn, if you will, in the context of this conversation. And um, whilst the, the, I guess the shadow hoodie is the goodie, um, which is like the, we talk about the warm cookies I was just referring to. So on this scale of zero to 10 hoodies or goodies, um, Taylor, why don't we start with you? What would you rate this at? Hey, look, anytime you can take down uh, you know, something like this from the inside, and it, it sounds like in this case they, they hacked it first, so they were able to start pulling information uh, prior to anyone fleeing the service. So that's always extra valuable. I'm going to give this one, how about five and a half 
uh, bags of, of hot buttered popcorn. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is always during my snack time. I always leave this podcast recording so hungry. <laughs> First, it was the candy hearts. Okay. Um, delicious. Now it's the, the popcorn with hot butter justice on top. I mean, what else? What else could we put in here? Um, Ian, <laughs> what would you rate this at? So I think between the limited scope of their operation and what looks like uh, their limited technical abilities to, to keep the data secured and uh, out of authorities' hands, I'm going to go with 2.5 hoodies. It just uh, it, not a huge story, but definitely a fun one. Your perfect popcorn story. (laughs) Man, there would be some great, I know this comes up quite frequently on the podcast, but the ASMR of popcorn eating, is that a thing? Because that actually would be a really nice thing to listen to for some odd reason. Am I alone in that? No. No. I I don't know, Ian. In this room, you might be. I think what I what we really need for this episode is going to be a, a visual logo that's or, Orville Ransombacher. <gasps> that's amazing. <laughs> Sponsored by. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I'm a little concerned. It's so good. I'm concerned that we're going to see that as a, a self-proclaimed ransomware group's name at one point. And that level of concern. No, I think it's a little too corny for them. It's a name that pops. All right. Oh, gosh. Well, (laughs) per usual, we're going to have a quick snack break. Ian, thank you for your analysis here of this particular discussion with the Exclusive You article that we talked about this week. We'll be back in just a moment for our second article. Let me speak to your hypervisor. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Now, be honest. How much like eating popcorn (laughs) did that actually sound like? None. None like. Yeah. I was hoping you were taking a bite out of crap. (laughs) Oh, Taylor, you're on one today. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently taking a bite out of a bite out of crime makes one sound a little bit ill is what I fear. I I just learned a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. Well, are are you ready, Taylor, to talk about our second article, which is let me speak to your hypervisor? Yeah, this is a fun one. I say this is emerging. So there there are new articles being published on this uh, kind of as we speak. Yeah, and just a little primer here before we get into it. Sounds like cyber criminals are actively exploiting a two-year-old VMware vulnerability as a part of a ransomware campaign targeting thousands of organizations worldwide. Also, VMware vulnerability is a very difficult pair of words <laughs> to say quickly together. Um, but let's start by setting the stage with what VMware is for any of our listeners that are out of the loop there. What is a VMware? Uh it's a big mistake. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. VM, <laughs> VMware, you can take that. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, VMware is a virtualization software provider. So they, 
I mean, they've been around uh, as, as long as almost anybody in that game. Uh, but they help you take big computers and turn them into smaller computers that uh, then can be used uh, to do just about anything you want with those computers. So, you know, you may take, like, they get installed first, right? So ESXi is a bare metal hypervisor that gets installed directly on a server uh, and then can kind of think about it as divvying up the resources from the server towards uh, like smaller computers, virtual computers um, that can be, you know, varied in terms of operating system, um, in, in terms of, you know, even Windows, Windows and Windows and Linux, uh, Windows and Linux <laughs> on the same device. Um, you know, in, in kind of more modern times, you see also container-based virtualization, um, although that stuff came first, actually, with Solaris sounds, but that's a little too old school. Uh, but yeah, so you'll see where you may have, you know, uh, ESXi booting uh, a Linux VM that then also runs a bunch of Docker containers or so on and so forth. It's uh, turtles all the way down. <laughs> but um, VMware, VMware is huge. They're now owned, uh, they were bought by Broadcom uh, not too, too long ago. But certainly from an enterprise virtualization space, they are, they have been traditionally the leader in that space, although the pivot over to cloud computing and, and using other folks' computers has rendered, uh, you know, some of what they do is, is, you know, kind of a little less needed for some orgs as we kind of live in a cloud-native first world, a brave new world. I like I like this Lindos brand that you created. Like, it sounds like really delicious <laughs> chocolate. Maybe it sounds really close to Lindor's or something. Lind Lindos. <laughs> the, they're chocolate window things that you receive when you yeah. when you get the box with the uh, Microsoft Suite products. And there's a chocolate <laughs> clippy in there. <laughs> I saw a really funny meme fairly recently where somebody's like taking the hat off like the classic um scooby-doo where they're taking the mask off and there's a person under there and the mask that be that's being taken off is chat gbt and the face underneath it is clippy <laughs> yeah clippy 100 has to come back i think right <laughs> that's fantastic uh, clippy needs to be the face of AI. clippy the og ai <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but taylor this this is an unpatched bug that you referred to right with um or i guess i should say the article yeah. is referring to um so does that mean that the organization knew about it uh organization being vmware previously uh well sure right so v vmware having been around as, as long as it is uh they have you know uh, put out many versions of ESXi, uh, the newest being, I think, in the 8.x varietal. Um, and so there, it's one of those things where you're kind of continually responding to the market. I, as someone who worked for a, uh, a commercial hypervisor uh, company, it's one of those things where um, you're continually kind of evolving with the underlying OSs as they upgrade. Um, you may need to change like your source kernel uh, as things like systemd emerge and take over all kinds of Linux services um, that you might have run prior. So like there's, as like the OS market evolves, the hypervisor market also has to evolve. So there are, you know, you'll find bugs in this particular one. What's interesting about this is that 
you know, folks are pointing at these open SLP or service location protocol um, bugs that they're saying, hey, these things can be used to uh, kind of gain uh, control of a machine. And then, uh, you know, at that point, the, the ransomware follows on not too long after or the encrypted uh, files follow on not too after. Uh, but no one has like really come out and showed the full exploit chain on this. So um, they're saying like, hey, this could be this, you know, it certainly looks like this could be, uh, you know, a, a way that folks are uh, compromising these ESXi servers. But, you know, there's like, this is a very emerging thing. So, you know, there are folks who are saying like, hey, I don't have any of those services running. None of them are public and I still uh, manage to get compromised in this. So, um, you know, I think the, the jury is out a little bit on this, but certainly these vulnerabilities are known about. There are patches for them. Um you know, it's it's just one of those things where it is really tricky to patch a hypervisor that may be running a bunch of services underneath it. Uh, you know, you know, virtual machines that are maybe critical uh, that you may not be able to live migrate off, right? Because there's going to be downtime. Um, you know, also in some cases, you know, when you upgrade your hypervisor, the level of support that you have for older OSs can be diminished. Um, you know, usually there's a good reason for that because they're full of security holes or have all kinds of issues and you shouldn't be running them. But, uh, you know, these things happen. Um, stuff ends up running a lot longer than you might expect it to. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're staring at a ransomware note in the morning. Mm, wakes you up faster than a cup of coffee, though, doesn't it? <laughs> and <laughs> and just to clarify too so they're referring to this ransomware variant that's targeting um, these known i guess we'll call them vulnerabilities with vmware as esxi args and to your point taylor mm-hmm. it sounds like this is an emerging story we don't really know who's being targeted or targeted or even to what degree damage has been done is that is that a fair statement yeah i don't know yeah the 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 stuff is still very much ongoing the args the esxi args uh args is for the file extension of the uh encrypted files that these folks are leaving um so that's what's giving it the name esxi args um and yeah there's been again a couple of uh generations of this so the initial uh like news around this was a there's a lot of stuff coming out of the ovh uh in in france there's a lot of hosts there that were compromised um you know so again kind of making you wonder like what exactly is the exploit chain here uh like are you in already and then you're using this to get additional access or what have you um but then also the initial set of uh encryptions behind this were a little you know, I'm not lazy, but maybe the design by someone who wasn't super familiar with how uh, ESXi like stored disks. So they were like the the larger disk size. Like there's kind of a running disk, and then there's stuff that's on on or kind of on disk. And they were leaving the larger files uh, there. They weren't touching them, but they were encrypting you know bits and pieces of the others. Uh, and so there was a recovery pathway for some of that. It looks like that stuff has stopped, that they're a little more um, competent in how they're going about it. But uh, again, this stuff is emerging. Very interesting. I was really hoping that the ARGS was, in fact, uh, just the response of the person who found the ransomware. Just like basically the vibe in Ian's voice when I brought up ransomware in the morning being like coffee. 
that's that's what I feel like it truly inspired. Sure, the file extension, but but mostly that I have to I have to imagine. Well, you've also got to think in terms of the question of uh, the the damage that it's caused already, the the psychic damage to uh, all these VMware admins out there who have had a tough couple months is uh, is pretty considerable. So, ARG would probably be an understatement. That's very fair. That's something we don't talk about as a cost, but as a very real cost is the emotional damages um, that are inflicted on the defenders doing their best, or or in this case, as you described, um, Ian, the folks managing those virtual environments. Um, and something we've talked about before on this podcast is this idea of extorting more than once just the the hits just keep coming and in this case it sounds like the attackers were using a triple or are using a triple extortion technique um is this a strategy that we see often and when will we see our first four-time extortion quattro quad extortion quadruple extortion Hopefully never. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you think of like the kind of definitions, it's just kind of single extortion is like, hello, I've encrypted your files. You have to pay me to get them back. Double extortion is where, you know, I will post them uh, and maybe sell them uh, or make them available. And uh, it's so I could get kind of paid from the person that I have broken into and then also from the second party. And then the third level of this is, okay, now I will sell the data back to the victims. Um, so, hey, I have patient files. Hey, patients, I have your data. You can pay me to get it back or delete it. You shouldn't trust me at all in that scenario, but that would be kind of your triple in the third level of extortion there. So I'm trying to think of how you get to a fourth and I don't want to find out. So <laughs> don't honestly, give anybody any um, ideas, Taylor. I'm not sure. But I bet quad extortion has to do with Microsoft licensing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And Taylor, just a final question here before we roll into our hoodie ratings. Is patching the only mitigation at this point for VMware's customers in this case? You know, and, and as I mentioned earlier, it's really tricky sometimes to do the upgrades and patches on these hosts that may be, you know, running uh, super old stuff that is very important. So it's very tricky. Uh, you know, I think obviously making sure that your ESXi hosts can't talk to the internet would be really helpful. Um, but then you've got like baseband networks and all their like IPMIs and, and ways to get in there. So it's, it's still tricky, uh, particularly if someone's got access at a hosting provider. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, they, that, that's definitely, there's also, if you look at like CISA, there are, uh, CISA has posted some scripts uh, that can potentially help you recover data from the files. Um, particularly, I think if, if there are folks impacted earlier on by this stuff, then, uh, you know, that, that, that may be an avenue to restore that data. Um, but yeah, you know, patching, upgrading off of the older versions, which, it, it, it could, for some of these customers, may open up like a Pandora's box of nightmare upgrades of uh, super old hosts and old stuff that may not be supported by vendors. And yeah, it's um, a mess. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> let's hop into our hoodie ratings, which is that zero to 10. And Ian, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Where are you going to put this one at? You remember the end of Romeo and Juliet? 
where the the government official, I think it was the prince, comes out and just yells at everyone. He's just mad at the world because of how this has transpired. Well, that's this. No goodies. I award no goodies to anyone in this. Um, VM uh, between uh, VMware's uh, tough couple months and uh, the the ongoing problem of trying to find resources to keep things patched appropriately. I, I'm I'm just going to give a zero zero goodie zero hoodie uh, rating because all are punished. <laughs> All are punished. (laughs) Pox on all their houses. (laughs) All right, Taylor, how about yourself? What would you put this at? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll get... (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like the scope of it's fairly small. So Rapid7 had a post today using some of their project sonar data, which does public scanning, saying that they think there's around 19,000 hosts out there that are potentially... uh, you know, a risk of this um, still, which is kind of surprising because now we're going on like day, what, like six, seven, eight, somewhere of this being pretty well known. Um, although I do wonder like how many of those have popped up in the last six or seven days to operate as honeypots. But um, yeah, I would give this one, you know, I think based off the limited scope, we'll give it like three, I'll give it three hoodies, three and a half hoodies. And also pouring out for the VMware admins. <laughs> That's the true title of the episode. Pour one out for the VMware admins. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah, they're having a rough one. And I think the only thing that would lift their spirits, and I'm sure of this, I've asked I've asked each and every one of them, and they said it would be too truths and a lie. So in just a moment, when we return, and we've all emotionally prepared to try to deceive one another, or more specifically for Ian to try to deceive us, we'll be right back in just a moment. All right, did everyone do their exercises, their deception exercises? I'm now grounded. I am the center of the world. Disinformation is my goal. <laughs> so we're going to take that out of context and use it whenever it best suits us, Ian. Uh, I'm totally kidding. We would, we would never do that to you. Uh, but for those, again, who are not familiar, we like to play a fun game most of the time here in Breaking Badness, which is called Two Drews and a Lie. Very similar to the game. You all grew up knowing, loving, hating, whatever feelings you had about it. Um, but rather than talking about ourselves, instead, we have one co-host provide basically three byline article titles, two of which are things that actually happened, one of which is a blatant lie. And there's a point system, and Ian is in Tim's seat today um, and hoping to deceive Taylor and I. And so with that, Ian, why don't, why don't you take it away? deceive your friends all right let's uh, let's see how this goes i got uh, two experienced operators here so we'll we'll see if this flies all right number one the intersection of cybersecurity and international law assessing the legal implications of insurance companies denying claims due to nation state involvement number two eclipse unit Elite hackers launch sophisticated attacks on critical infrastructure, causing widespread chaos. Number three, the human cost of Microsoft Patch Tuesday, examining the mental health impacts on system administrators. Very on theme for our episode. Yes. 
this is our mental health episode of everybody, including those VMware admins, needing to take care of themselves. All system Please. Yes. All system admins. Sysadmin, uh, just reach out to us. We'll, we'll send you some some important rations to support that effort. <laughs> Maybe in t-shirt form. Should get a tribute concert or something going. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Ian, these are really good. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Are you saying with that third article that there's like been some research done, or um, is that the implication of that being the article title, or just generally that that's true? <laughs> I, I think you could go both ways with it. Uh, but I would assume that uh, research informed the title. Okay. Taylor, do you have any... Hmm. I-, I can see you're jumping on this as quickly as I am. <laughs> well, just like... The second one just feels super specific. I think, I, I think I'm going to say the second one as my as the lie and number one, number three as... What was number one again, Ian? Number one was the intersection of cybersecurity and international law, assessing the legal implications of insurance companies denying claims due to nation state involvement. Hmm. I'm going to say that's the lie. I'm going to say number one is the lie. All right. Well, circling back to an earlier theme of our episode, you're both right because they're all misinformation. Uh, I, I'm building on uh, uh, my boss's old trick when uh, when he was first yeah. doing two truths and a lie. And what I instead did was go to ChatGPT and I asked ChatGPT in, in standard bandwagon style to uh, come up with all three for me. So luckily we have a misinformation bot right at hand nowadays and nothing can go wrong with that. Curse you, Clippy! Now that I don't watch a lot of scary movies, <laughs> but I revenge. would definitely watch Clippy's Revenge. <laughs> revenge of the Clippy. You asked too much of me and I cross my own boundaries. And that's how we build resentment. And I'm Clippy that I've brought you this message. <laughs> wow, Ian. I had to do it. Yeah, it and, was cheap, uh, but yeah, that's kind of me, so... <laughs> Daniel, if you're listening, listen what you That's taught Ian. Listen what good good things you taught to Ian here. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Well, well played, Ian. That I think the international law question is a very I mean, these are all very interesting points, as one could expect about uh what the implications are for uh for cybersecurity. It's a very interesting time right now for cybersecurity insurance in general, but adding the the international law layer within that cheeky cake is fascinating yeah yeah i think i think it was uh mark that just had a court ruling against him this past week that um upheld the uh or uh, not a court ruling sorry their their insurer denied their claim because it it involved nation state actors yeah that i saw that so i thought this must be related to that clippy's on to you taylor all those questions you asked Clippy back in the day are coming back to haunt you. <laughs> yeah, was there ever this is this is a question. 
Did um, Microsoft store everybody's questions to Clippy? Or the things they click through with Clippy? I hope not, because if they did, I got some explaining to do. (laughs) That's actually why they had to decommission (laughs) Clippy. There's too much dirt. Clippy had all the secrets in their hair. So in all seriousness, I I have friends at Microsoft and they do good work. But at the same time, I I can't imagine Microsoft not hoovering up whatever kind of telemetry or uh, uh, data they could. So I I imagine they kept it somewhere. I hope the file is called Clippy Telemetry. Because just that's wonderful. So nefarious of Clippy. I think for for security, they actually don't keep it digitally anymore. They printed it out, so it's called the paperclip file. Oh! That's the Netflix documentary right there. That's the title of the project. Go get on, go get on the horn with those people, Ian. <laughs> you got yourself some money sitting on the table. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Ian, it was so great to have you on today. Hopefully, we'll be doing this again soon. And Taylor, it's always a pleasure to have you. Callie in the background, doing all the hard work to make the podcast happen. Thank you, as always, too. And, uh, yeah, we've got some, we've got some special stuff coming up. We will be back next week, regardless of the observance of the President's Day holiday. Um, and then we've got something uh, coming up. That's episode 149. And uh, uh, I think we all know what comes after the number 149, the big 150. Um, so fun stuff coming up there, too. So keep an eye on or an ear to uh, what's happening with Breaking Badness. But we'll be back next week with another episode of Breaking Badness. Thanks, all. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Tay. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>